0: Killarn. Um it is great to be back with you on a couple of fronts. One, we've been out of the pocket, out of pocket the last few weeks, traveling and this, that, and the other as a family. And now we're back firmly ensconced in Tallahassee and excited to um, be back into the ministry flow here in the new year. But on a second front, I'm, I'm excited to be back with you because we have been on a, a long hiatus from these, Weekday pastoral devotionals that we've that we that we did really most of most of last year kind of all through the quarantine and pandemic season, and so we've been on a little couple of month hiatus and now um, we are back. Now, typically, I do these devotionals on um, my back porch, but it's a little chilly this morning. Thought it'd be a great time to break out the beanie, um, the the. The pullover, the pullover sweater and then be back here in the Four Oaks lobby by the fireplace. Now, if you knew how much time I actually spent trying to coordinate this camera shot to make sure the fire is in the background and I can still read my notes, it, you, you would, I, I'm embarrassed by it. You would be horrified by it, um, I am sure. But let me explain, um, for those who are, are new to this, what we typically try to do in these Monday through Friday devotionals. Uh, one, we get together every morning, 8 a.m. We record these. You can um, access, access them in your own quiet times or study or for posterity or, or what have you. So you don't have to join us live, but you can, obviously. And, and, and hopefully you, you can when, you, when you're able. But we typically cover, spend about 15 to 20 minutes together. We cover a, a passage of scripture and I just generally, it's not a—it's not preachy, it's more teachy, devotional-esque. I comment on various things in the passage, I'll, I'll make some extemporaneous remarks, some application, I'll pray for us. So remember, these are not exhaustive Bible studies, these are meant to be a springboard for you to jump off to be in the Word of God uh, on a regular basis, and to wake up with your day sort of tasting and seeing his, his word. And so that's what we're gonna be doing uh, again for this season. So these next few months, and just thinking about um, what we wanted to cover in these devotional times, and we've been through a number of things. We've been through, I think we've gone through 1 Peter, we've gone through last year, Revelation, the um, the gospel of, of Matthew, a whole host of of, of of territory we, we've covered um, in the Bible. But I thought for these next few months, it would be great for us to dive into the book of Exodus together for a couple of reasons. One, it's a great follow up to our two year study through the book of Genesis. And the last time we left God's people, they were in Egypt and we're wondering what happened to this Mary band of 70 who were transplanted from their homes by God's divine, miraculous, providential intervention through Joseph, and now they're all settled in Egypt. What, what happens? What happens next? And as we're gonna see, this is a sequel that, if it's possible, even transcends the original. So, you know, it's, it's a rare thing in cinematic history for a sequel to be the equal, or even better than the original. And we think about what, what, what would fall into that camp. Well, of course, The Godfather and and if you don't know me yet you'll you'll know that 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 we go to the godfather and all things where we need wisdom um in an earthly sort of sense you know what i mean but the godfather 2 was clearly uh the equal of godfather 1 but there's very few sequels in fact we, we find most of the time that sequels are very disappointing right not so with exodus because we're going to see how god carries forward his promises to his covenant people despite their circumstance despite the foreign land that they live in and and i thought again this is another great reason a second great reason for us to study this book that we really learn what it means for god's people to flourish in exile we really learn what it means for god's people to be faithful under oppression under a foreign culture under a people who are not just you know sort of dissociated from them spiritually but are in fact in many ways hostile antithetical and so what a great what a great book for us to to dive into this season i thought maybe the first passage i would read are we dive into exodus is is paul's passage in first corinthians 10 where he comments on the things that we're going to be learning about so if you have your bibles and always helpful to have your bibles during bible study time um, that's lesson number number one today but first corinthians 10 and i want you to listen to how paul describes the events of exodus to the church in corinth and what he wants to learn from them and i think correspondingly what what we what he wants us to learn so So listen to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. Now these things, and he's talking about the events of Exodus, took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be adulterers as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now listen to verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so we have to remember these are not nifty little myths, parables. Um nursery rhymes old testament history that's oftentimes how we view old testament history and narrative you know no, these in fact these events in fact were inspired used by the holy spirit to instruct and to teach us his church now and so so with no further ado let me let me read and we're just going to go through these in little chunks let me read these first opening verses of exodus let me pray and then let me just say a couple of things To jumpstart us into this series. Exodus 21. Now, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Let me pray. Lord, you've given us these things. You've preserved them in history so that they can be instruction to us, examples to us, lessons for us. But even more than that, you preserve them that we might see your greatness, your providence, your sovereignty your hand on blessing your people, preserving your people, uh, being faithful to your people and your promises. So Lord, encourage our hearts in that this morning. Um, bless these few minutes that we have together in Jesus' name, amen. Now in your Bible, depending on which version you have in mind, it says, these are the names of the sons of Israel. Of course, he's speaking about Jacob and his, and his 12 sons. But in Hebrew, it actually says "and." The word, the word for that uh, is sometimes translated "now" or "these," is actually literally means "and," and it's meant to really show us that there is to be this seamless transition from the events of Genesis chapter fifty, where Jacob died, and Moses—I mean, sorry, Joseph—and all his brothers are gathered around him, and Joseph is telling them that God is faithful; He's brought them to Egypt. He sent the joseph ahead to egypt to preserve life for the covenant family um, and, and immediately and it's almost like if you if you went to see lord of the rings in the theater and you had the first episode fellowship of the ring and then the second the two towers you know that if you've seen if you've seen the movie before the movies you know that there is no recap uh, before the second movie before the second movie picked for the second movie starts. It just picks up literally right where the first story or the first movie ends. And this is what Moses is doing. He's he's wanting to show us that there is great continuity, that even though he is picking up 400 years after the fact of of God's people, these 70, these tribes, these brothers and their families, their little ones coming to Egypt, although 400 years have passed, God is still working. God is still moving. God is still writing the story. God is still faithful to his promises. God is, he's the same God as he was then as he is now. It's a great lesson for us, right? Man changes, culture changes, nations change, leaders change. God never changes. Okay. One, one, you know, 10,000 years, like one day. I mean, this is, God is eternal, right? God has nothing but time. We may change, he doesn't change. That's what Moses is wanting to show us, that that God's work in this covenant people um, doesn't end, okay, with the characters at the end of Genesis 50, it carries forward. Now there's a couple of things that I wanna note in this passage, in these first seven verses that I think will be markers for us as we press forward in our study together. The first in verse six, um, it's, it's understated, but it's incredibly impactful. Then Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. And and we, we don't wanna gloss over that because that is highly significant. I mean, Joseph is the national hero of, each, of, of Israel. It is Joseph who had a national shrine built for his death. This is what we find out at the end of Genesis 50, so that future generations could look at his grave and say, there's God's faithfulness. God raised up Joseph, and we know Joseph, God will bring us up out of Egypt. And so having Joseph died, their singular, okay, hero, the one who saved them, right, from famine, he's now dead, and his brothers, and that generation, and all those who first came to Egypt. And one of the things that that I think we need to remember, okay, is that that while God remains faithful, God is eternal, God is unchangeable, God's leaders, God's servants, come and go. God's servants and his leaders are by definition temporary. I remember hearing um, uh, Mark Dever, who's a pastor in in Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill Baptist, talk about this idea that we always, as pastors, need to be preparing the people in our church for our successor, which may seem kind of strange, right? But he says, because of, of course, what else would we do? We are all temporary leaders. We are temporary servants, and that, that's a great point. And that's a great thing to remember, that we ultimately don't place our hope, um, we ultimately don't place our, our ultimate faith, okay, or trust in human leadership. Don't. Leadership is given by God. It's ordained by God. We submit to it. We order our lives to it. But we don't place our ultimate hope in it because men and women fail, right? Leaders fail, and there's the the history of the church and of culture and society in general is replete with what happens when God's people or anybody or any people put an inordinate amount of trust or attach themselves to a singular person in an unhealthy way we see this very recently right with all these revelations that that came out about a very well-known christian leader and apologist who um, is now uh, who passed away and it's been revealed that his life was full of all sorts of sordid sin and and what's come out about this is that the people closest to him knew it or suspected it but there was this whole circle around this leader that that sort of was galvanized to protect his name. It was this idea that, that this man was indispensable, that God was blessing his ministry. And we don't want anything to interrupt that. We forget, right? Joseph died, right? No, no person is indispensable. And when we treat someone like they're indispensable, we will end up harming the people of God. Um, this happens politically. We've, as, as we've seen in events over the last week or two, when people inordinately attach their energy and vision and hope to a singular leader, and when that singular leader disappoints, we end up making all sorts of excuses, right, or or enabling that sort of behavior because, right, um, our hope is attached in in into that person, and so. This can happen um, on the part of people to leaders, but it can happen from, for leaders themselves who think more highly of themselves than they ought, who, who come to think of themselves as indispensable or um, the hope of all mankind or the hope of the church or become overly attached to, to his or her ministry. And again, bad things happen, right? We, we, we trust leaders with a, with a lowercase t. With accountability and authority and plurality but we trust god with a capital t which means that when leaders pass away when leaders are no longer with us when people move away when um when when god sovereignly orchestrates things in our life where servants come and go our hope in god if we place our ultimate hope in god then we won't be rocked by those things right there won't be this inappropriate ownership Right, of a leader um, to his people or the people to a leader. And that's one thing that, that we clearly learn and we're gonna find out in the story of the people of God. It's been 400 years, everyone has died who was a part of the original story, but God is raising up future leaders. God is raising up um, future, future um, people to, to, to be spiritual point for the people of God. And we can trust that. Number two, and look at verse seven, and this is interesting. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied, they grew strong. The land was filled with them. Even though leaders come and go and people come and go, No no one is forever in this life. God is faithful to build his people. God is faithful to build his church. One of the things that we see here, but the people of Israel, this is the first time that Israel remember, which was really, was really Jacob originally, right? Jacob was renamed Israel. Okay. To define his covenant relationship with God. But now Moses and the Lord begin to refer to Israel, not just in terms of a singular person, but in fact, a tribe, a nation, a family. This is where we begin to see, right? The, the church, This is the called out people of god and so that while leaders and people come and go um, they pass away god is faithful to build his church god is faithful to build his people we have to remember it doesn't matter who is in charge culturally it doesn't matter who is in charge politically it doesn't matter Um, Ultimately, none of those things determine whether the people of God flourish. Now, we need to, you know, probably redefine what we mean by flourishing. We're not talking about comfort and ease. We're talking about spiritual flourishing, being on mission, being a witness, being salt and light, um, having the sense that we are right in the middle of what God is doing and his will for our lives. It says here that, 400 years later the people of Israel were fruitful increased greatly they multiplied they were strong in other words they were faithful and most importantly God was faithful in them to build them as we're going to see that's going to be an important thing to note because as we're going to see tomorrow a leader rises up who remembers not Joseph and his people and we're going to find out what God does in these people the people of God even when those around them turn on them and we're going to find again, it does not matter who's in power. It does not matter for the church's flourishing, uh, what freedoms are given or what freedoms are taken away. What ultimately matters is the sovereign providential hand of God. What a great lesson, right? For us in this season. And we're going to learn more about that tomorrow. So same time, same station, who knows where I'll be, I may be on the top of the capitol i may be in my backyard i may be back right here maybe in my car who knows um, but 8 a.m last thing before we go if you i highly recommend getting some sort of resource for the book of exodus like a commentary this is an excellent one the new american commentary um exodus douglas stewart there's lots of others there's one by Rever Childs. there's one um by john curd there's there, there's a number of great commentaries but this gets you a good commentary it, it helps to read along and forecast where we're going and for to answer a lot of questions obviously we are not have time to get to all of them but this is a great way um, to kind of have this as a companion piece okay let me pray and then we'll be done and go about our day lord remind us that while people come and go leaders come and go Lord, you are eternal. You are unchanging. And the establishment and witness of your people is not dependent upon what's happening culturally, what's happening politically. Um, it's dependent upon your sovereign faithfulness. And Lord, we do want to walk in faithfulness. So Lord, bless us as we go forward today in the confidence and the hope that you are the King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, for Oaks. See you guys tomorrow.